This episode of All My Friends Are In Barbands was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. everyone, it's David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Own Bar Bands. I start these every week by saying I hope you're doing well, and I, I have never meant it more than uh, this week, and the last few weeks in particular. I really, really do hope that you are doing well. I hope you're listening to lots of great music. I hope you are keeping in touch with your loved ones and your family and that you are making the most of what is a very, very uh, wild and often quite confronting situation. I was in two minds about coming back and doing bar bands, but uh, obviously now I have a bunch of time on my hands, A, and B, I have a backlog of interviews with some really, really great musicians, a lot of which can't obviously be uh, touring and playing shows right now, so I wanted to support them in some small way, shape, or form that I could by throwing this out there and getting through my backlog and sharing the love uh, for these bands and artists, because... Yeah, bands and artists all around the world on every scale imaginable uh, need your support right now more than ever. Uh, If you have a ticket to a rescheduled uh, show, uh, consider keeping it as opposed to getting a refund so that the money can go to band, the artist, the promoter, everyone involved that would be uh, seeing uh, revenue from that ticket sale. Support independent music on Bandcamp when and where you can. Uh, A lot of places doing pay what you can right now and a bunch of discounts and everything happening. But uh, that is the best direct way to support uh, independent bands, independent labels, independent music in general right now. If they have a Patreon set up and you are in a position to do so, uh, please consider supporting them over on that. And please, please, if you are in Australia, consider uh, sending a donation over to Support Act, who are doing an absolutely vital job right now, uh, supporting uh, the mental health and the financial well-being of the Australian music industry as it faces one of its biggest challenges yet. Supportact.org.au is the place to hit up. But yeah, we are going to go through the bar bands backlog and we are going to uh, get through a bunch of chats over the next month or two. I am really, really excited to be sharing these with you. Like I said, it's the best thing I can do right now and I hope hearing these conversations uh, gives you a welcome distraction and uh, yeah, just keeps you company at a time where we all really, really need it. I'm really excited to be sharing this episode with you. This is an episode with a man that I genuinely consider one of my heroes. His name is Damien Abraham. 
You might know him as Pink Eyes. You might know him as the lead singer of the Canadian punk band Fucked Up. You might know him as the host of one of the best music podcasts in the world, Turned Out a Punk. You might know him as the host of the Vice show, The Wrestlers. You might know him from his work on the podcast, Oil and Flowers. You might know him uh, from various places, shapes, forms, etc. But as long as I have known who Damien was, I have looked up to him. Uh, I have seen fucked up every time that they have been to Australia in the last decade. This is a guy that meets hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people a year, whether it's through his work for Vice or his work on the podcast or touring, any, any bits and pieces like that. And yet every time fucked up play in Australia, he remembers me. And he always takes the time to talk to me and always takes the time to be a friend. And it's just so incredibly, incredibly appreciated. So when I reached out to Damien and asked if he wanted to be a guest on my podcast, uh, he was super open to it. And I am really happy that we were able to make that happen. Uh, a big thank you as well to Sam at Frontier for hooking me up uh with access to the shows as well. Uh, I really, really appreciate that. I went to uh, three different stops on the Fucked Up tour. So they played at Yours and Owls in Wollongong. They played at the Gasso in Melbourne, where this was recorded. This is the first time I've actually recorded an episode of Bar Bands in Melbourne in uh, like about a year, I think the last one was with Josh Earl back in 2018. So it was a it was a while between drinks picking up the mics in Melbourne. Uh, and I also went over to uh, the Oxford Art Factory in Sydney and saw them play there as well. Uh, it was a really really wonderful run, and I am super super appreciative of uh, Damien taking the time to speak to me and uh, being so accommodating and thoughtful. Uh, I'm not going to call this a crossover episode with Turned Out a Punk, but uh, you know what? It, it is what it is. It is uh, a fanboy talking to one of his heroes about music and kicking back and kind of getting into uh, the inner workings of the mind of, yeah, one of the people that has really motivated me as a musician and as a podcaster. So a huge, huge thank you to Damien for his time and a huge thank you to you as well for listening. I normally get my plugs in here, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just keeping my head down and getting the content out at this point because that's the most important thing. So without any further ado, this is my chat with Damien Abraham from Fucked Up and Turned Out a Punk. Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friend Damien Hello. Abraham. Hello, David. What is this, a crossover episode? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Australia, my friend. It's an honor to be back. 
We are in Melbourne. We are in the Gasometer Hotel and fucked up are finally back in Australia after four and a half goddamn years. It is good. Been to a have while. You. It's been, been a while. while. I've got another kid. Uh, made I made another record. I made another record. We made a TV show. You made uh, two. Didn't two you? TV shows? Yeah. No, <laughs> two. Maybe, maybe a couple canvas documentaries too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and, 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 and a TV several show. Several podcasts as yeah, well. Yeah, several podcasts. It's been, I've been trying to stay busy, and, and but it's, I missed it. Like, I really like, honestly, yeah. I, I, I'm very open about this. I hate touring, you yes. know, but I do <laughs> love coming to tour Australia. Yeah. And, it's good to have you back. Oh, it's so good to be back. <laughs> Uh, we were talking about this on Sunday that the first time that we met was when you guys played Soundwave 2011. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've seen you guys play every time you've come to Australia, <laughs> specifically Sydney since then. Well, I was telling you, you're like one of my favorite faces to see on <laughs> earth. And, and, you know, like I know I'm in Australia when I see your face because I've been seeing it for <laughs> nearly 10 years now. So thank I'm, you. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome, dude. Oh, it, it was. It's one of those things where like... Because you tour with so fucking much, and it'd be one of those things where it's just like, oh, he probably doesn't remember me. And then every time, it's just like, what's going on, man? I'm just like, oh, fuck, he remembers who I am. Well, I think, you know, <laughs> when you're in a band, like, you just, you know, you do see meet a lot of people. You do see a, a ton of people, and they're, yeah. you know, but there's just certain people that you see, and they're they're reacting to the art that you made, the thing that you made, and they're in the crowd, and you see them time and time again, and just yeah. like, how can you not develop some sort of, friendship and her admiration for this person that that yeah. is responding to something you made, you yeah. know, and like and for ten years, dude. Yeah. Ten years almost. Ten fucking years. Well, one of my favorite moments at a festival ever was the last time you guys played, which is where I briefly got to front the band during yeah. Led by Hands. Yeah. <laughs> you just fucking gave me the mic and I'm just like, well, this is it. I'm never gonna get to do this again. I'm never gonna be fronting a band at Soundwave, especially not my own, so I might as well relish this moment. <laughs> Well, I don't think anyone's going to be fronting a band at Soundwave anytime soon. Oh, from well. the sounds of it. Oh, boy. $55 million in debt and counting. Yeah. It's going to be a... Oh, it went right up the nose. I, I, I feel like I'm partly responsible in some small way to contributing that debt <laughs> yeah. with fucked up's guarantee. But no. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys, were the, you guys were the whole debt. Not Metallica well, or fucking anyone else. Well, that's the other thing. Like, that's, you know... We would play those sets, and we would be playing against Metallica, and we would be playing against Iron Maiden. So anyone that chose fucked up over Iron Maiden or Metallica, I have undying love for. So... Thank you. You're welcome. I've seen Iron Maiden since. They were great. I've also seen Metallica since. They were great. Who was better? Oh, that's a tough call. Well, see, with that one, it was like, well, I could go see Iron Maiden, or I could go see Melvin's Bronx and Fucked Up back to back. So I could go see three bands instead of one band. Yeah, and I'm going to say, maybe the Melvins are better on their own, but if you put all three of us together... Oh, yeah. Just a fucking Hydran beast. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to say... All three of those bands have better drummers than Metallica. That this is very true. You know, no diss on Lars. <laughs> he sold a lot more records, but I'm saying like, who was was it? Jorma still playing drums for the Bronx at that point? Yeah, yeah, he was. They've always had fucking. Bass They've always drums. had ridiculous drummers. Yeah. So second last time they came out, they had David Hidalgo Jr. Yeah, yeah, and then they had Jared like, recently. Yeah, 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 and like, fucking Joey Castillo. Yeah, from Queens of Stone Age. Yeah, just an absolute. He's fifty three and yeah. he's a fucking. He's a tank. beast. Yeah, that dude's a, he played in Wasted Youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that guy. Like they've always had ridiculous drummers. 
I'm going to say Fucked Up's most technically skilled member is our drummer, Jonah Falco. Yes, indeed. And the Melvins have the greatest drummer of all time. Well, on that tour, they had two drummers. They had two, too. They also yeah. had, they had the big Melvin. So, yeah, we, we definitely crushed Metallica on the drum power there. Fucking right. <laughs> uh, now, as you always start your podcast with How Did You Get Into Punk? Yes. Uh, I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were watching on TV, listening to on the radio or something like that, to this is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to play instruments. I want to be oh. a musician. I want to be in a band. Uh, can you tell us about like how... Like music factored into your upbringing, and if there was that kind of switch on moment for you, uh, music was always around. Like my dad um, played in bands when he was a kid, and was a huge. He wasn't playing in bands by the time I was born, but he had a ridiculous record collection. That's where I first heard punk stuff yeah. was in his record collection. And my mom uh, used to be on a TV show called Like Young, uh, where it was like it was kind of like a. a American bandstand, they like they would have kids dancing to the music. Yeah, right. Yeah, just like a, a real kind of like part of our lives growing up. But I never wanted to play in a band at all. Like, mm. And I think the only reason that changed is we went to the opera house to see my friend Simon Ennis's band play the band B A N B A N N E D. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. clever. He wasn't actually in the real band. Yeah, uh, but he played that show, and they had a sign up list at the back of the room, and it was like you could sign up a band. Yeah, and so I signed up the band "You're in Trouble" because I just thought it was a funny name, and I think someone told me it's in Wayne's World, but I think I got it from somewhere else. <laughs> and then I put down my phone number. And yeah, you, you know, just thinking they aren't, they're not going to call you. No, of course. Play the Why show, would they? But they did. So I had to put together <laughs> a band, and so "You're in Trouble" was born out of necessity, and that was really when I figured out I could do it. But "You're in Trouble" broke up. I did some other bands. It wasn't really a thing that I took very seriously being in a band or making music. And then this band, Dead Letter Department, who at the time were called The Stiffs, had me roadie for a show with them and got me up to sing a song with them at the end. And that was the first time that I like jumped in the crowd, yelled into the microphone, just went man like crazy on stage. Yeah. And that's when I knew, oh shit, this is what I want to do. Like, so you, you grew up in Toronto? Or grew up in like, Toronto. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would have had pretty instant access to live music and like a yeah. local scene and that yeah, sort of like stuff. Yeah, like I was, like the local scene I got into once I got into punk rock, but I was going to live music from like a real young age. I saw ACDC in 1988. Hell yeah. In 1988? 1988. Oh, I was going to say. Oh my God, if they brought me, I would have been zero or one year old at that point. That would have been, <laughs> been a very intense show for a one year old. I was going to say, that would have been like, the, like just as Black and Back in Black came out. Yeah. 88 would have been like Who Made Who, was it? Uh, like Razor's that? Edge. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. was on the Razor's Edge tour because they... Um, I still remember the set. The set was just like this incredible yeah. set. I think they had Jackal open. Um, oh, true. But I was just a huge... We were like... Because of who's ma- who, who Made Who. Yeah. That movie... I was everything. ACDC was like... They had a renaissance in 88 yeah. in a big way. And then, yeah, Thunderstruck came along and then it was just like, oh, fuck, Monster. ACDC, you're cute, cool Monstrous. again. Monstrous, yeah. Yeah. And I was right along for that ride. I got into them... The, the summer before Thunderstruck came out, so then all of a sudden it was like, this band that I like has a new song that's on TV, and yeah, the video's yeah, incredible. Yeah, 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 And uh, so I went to that show. I went to, like, concerts, but it wasn't until, you know, really getting into punk rock that, it, you know, that's where I was like, this is what I want. So that, quote-unquote, You're in Trouble show was your first Live gig. thing, and it was... Yeah. And I, but I think it was... Much later, it wasn't until I sang with Dead Letter Department and the Stiffs that I saw like 
Because you're in trouble. I always felt like I was just forcing people to like. Yeah. Because we play these shows where you had to sell your friends the tickets. Yo, fuck. And it's the worst, the right? Pay to play. Pay to play shows. Oh. So you're trying to sell like. 25, 30 tickets, and no one really wants to be there. We had a fucking epidemic of those a few years ago, yeah. and then it just died out when everyone realized, oh, no one's going to fucking do that. No, well, and I think the best cure for it is DIY. Yeah, big time. We'll just start our own shows. We'll put on our own gigs. Yeah, exactly. And I still like, I still don't know if I'm a professional musician every day, though. Like, I still don't know <laughs> if this is what I should be doing. But you got a laminate. I think you I got a laminate now. <laughs> Well, that's just because Clinton's here. Like, if we if he wasn't here, we wouldn't have laminates. We'd be just like having to rely on knowing each other's faces. We just doing have, the Lord's work. We Clinton. feel like a real like. We, I feel like I'm in a professional band for the first time ever on this tour. Yeah, like, right? I feel like I'm taken care of in a way that I'm like, oh, this is why people in bands become spoiled and pampered. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it as a compliment. Absolutely. I I don't know how you're gonna get this boy back on the farm though when I get back to the way we normally tour. Oh my. <laughs> so what about like touring and shit for the first time was that with the previous band uh, touring no touring didn't happen until fucked up really Actually, yeah so it was just local shit first time I went on tour I roadied for a band called The Swarm okay and I was their roadie and it, they, they went on to become Cursed and now The Sect and they used to be Left for Dead um, and I roadied for a, a East Coast tour that they did eight shows and they yeah. bullied the shit out of me <laughs> They were horrible to me. I don't think you got hazed. Oh, I got hazed horribly, but it was never like it was more like a psychological hazing. Okay, it was like they were just really mean, really mean to me on that tour. Fuck, how old were you for Mike's band, which was called uh, Ruination for one tour, and Josh was with me. We Mike, the band and Mike had basically divorced at this point, so Mike went on a separate tour in a station wagon. I'm not a station wagon. It was just like a sedan with Josh, myself, our friend Nathaniel, right. and our friend Lisa. And we drove, and Mike was in our car too. Yeah. And we drove basically separately from the van and did like a separate tour. And then they'd just come together for the shows Shit. and play a show. It Crazy. was the weirdest thing. <laughs> like now thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird. But then I think I've probably done that and fucked up, too. I think I've gone sure. separate tours and separate cars <laughs> as well now. So maybe it's not as crazy as I thought. But that was those were the first tours. And then Fucked Up eventually went on a tour with Punch in the Face and this band 14 or Fight of right. the East Coast. And that was our first tour tour. When and where was the first Fucked Up show? First Fucked Up show ever was without me singing. And I think it was at a venue. But we that. I was at Planet Kensington. It was opening for a band called Crispus Atux. And was it? No, Panic. Was it Crispus Atux? Crispus Atux was the first one. Yeah. Josh kicked me in the nuts and I choke slammed him. <laughs> Josh was a singer. Remember when you did that? Yeah, I do. It's not a really, uh, not a really nice memory for me. It's not a nice yeah. memory for me, too. I'm sitting there watching the show. Josh comes over, kicks me in the nuts. God damn. Out there, I think I just. Headbutted your stomach, dude. You came <laughs> over and you you thought you were fucking Callahan. And you dick kicked me, <laughs> Mister Timmy. No justice over here. Gets a little wild. God damn! It was that was the first show. I was a God, fan. Canadian hardcore is brutal. All Josh's friends hated me. Thought I was a jock bully. I, I did have a red baseball cap on, so <laughs> it did make me look like a jock. I remember you. I remember all your friends at the show were oh, like. Friend. Yeah, all your friends, all the buds. You did have, what are you talking about? You have more friends than any of us. 
<laughs> Tommy Colin. <laughs> Moody and Matt Vegan 1? No, not Moody and Matt Vegan 1. <laughs> oh, my friend. Yeah, it was not a good show. I can imagine. Um, and then their second show, they played They played a Koss. I wasn't in the band, uh, but I watched it as well. Uh, how, how long? How long does it go until you are in the three band? shows? Three. So it was the third three? show. Four shows. I'm trying to think of what the third would have been. I can only really remember those two. I think maybe it was only those two. Maybe there, I thought there was maybe another one in play. No, who's Emma was gone by the time we became a band, and we never played the Anarchist Free Space. And then, and then Josh went away. Josh went to go on a, a trip. Uh, around America on riding the rails. As you did. Then when I got to California, Mike Mike showed up and he was like, hey, uh, here's the demo. I was like, oh, cool. Let's listen to it. He's like, oh, Damien's singing on it. Like, oh, you guys recorded this since I left. And he's like, yeah. He's like, it's pretty good. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. All right. He's like, you can play guitar, right? I was like, I guess. Yeah, I'll play guitar. <laughs> And you'd think from the way he's making it sound that he's really just waiting for his chance to get that microphone back in his hand. But every time I try and make him sing, he's like, no, no. I don't want to sing. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really like that's what happened. Like Josh went away. Fucked Up had this show book that was where Mike because Mike booked all the shows from mm. Fucked Up. And there was a show book that it was literally every hardcore band in Toronto. Yeah, um, right. Like, all, not every heart, but, like, all the bands that were part of our scene. And Mike was like, I really want to play it. Do you want to sing for the show? Because Josh is away. And I said, sure. Yeah, I'd love to, you know. Mm. I want to be at the show. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll scab. I'll scab Josh. Yeah, what? what? <laughs> yeah, let me tear off this union shirt quickly. Um, <laughs> and then we went, uh, we played that show, and it was a lot of fun. It was a fucking crazy show. Like, it ended up being... One of the more insane shows that I've ever been to. The band yeah. Haymaker destroyed the uh, JCC, which is where the show was happening. Like, smashed at all the lights. Broke air. It was crazy. The show was nuts. Um, and then we got another show booked. And it's actually my... I opened for my future uh, wife, Lauren's band. I have the fucked up show history if you want. Oh, oh look wow. Look at I've that. Got, I've got most of it down, I think. Bloor JCC, Bloor JCC. Okay, and then the second time we played the Bloor JCC, it was opening up for my future wife Lauren's band, no shit. Oliver Kinky, um, and that aforementioned Dead Letter Department Stiffs band. And then the third show, from the looks of this, was opening up for Panic at Planet Kensington again. There's a column of opening bands to the right. If you if you go over, there's. Oh my God! This is a spreadsheet. Panic. Did you make this spreadsheet? No, the master That's of the amazing. But you don't have... Oh, my God. Look at all these notes. But you don't have... When did Josh come back? I don't know. I think I was at the Panic Show. No? Uh, yeah, I think you are at the Panic Show. And our first out-of-town gig was Our War Fucked Up Lariat, The Fire, and Get Wise, which I remember a cop showed up because this kid broke his... Like dislocated his knee while moshing, oh. and then someone put a cop on the cops. I uh, put a condom on the cop's gun. Do you remember that? Like, that was, a, that was fucking wild. And, and the holster. Yeah, they went up behind him and laid it on top of their gun. 
Do you feel like you'd already kind of developed your live persona at that point? That kind of very extroverted, kind of outward style of performing, like getting in yeah, one set and shit like that? Yeah, it used to be so violent, though. And yeah. Like, and not violent, but just, like, very aggressive. Yeah. Um, I think, once again, like, Josh, like, we were talking about Josh kicking me. Like, that was that was the thing. Like, you wanted to attack the audience. I'm yeah. using air quotes when I say that. <laughs> but, like, and we were looking at the bands that we were really excited by were, like, No Justice, Left for Dead, H100s, Nine Shocks Terror, like bands where you go and see them, they'd be throwing shit at you in the crowd. Yeah. And I would, so I'd go in the bathroom and I'd do like almost like an anti affirmation, like everyone here fucking hates you. This is the fucking worst day. <laughs> and then just go out there and just be nuts and try and hurt myself and take out other people. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was seeing Andrew WK and just being like, oh, oh sure, your previous guest of the show. Yeah. And like, well, just seeing like, it's you know like his that live show that he has where it's like yeah. super positive, but also intense. Yeah, and there's a lot of energy. And I think seeing that was when I tried to change what we did live. Well, what I did live and, and make it a lot more like like just fun, aggressive, and in your face, but fun. Yeah, I'm curious as to how you've adapted that when you've done those bigger shows like on the I think might have been the second time you came out was that Foo Fighters tour yeah and obviously that is a and and obviously the times that we've hung out at Soundwave and stuff like that that's obviously a completely different kettle of fish to doing like floor shows and punk shows Mm -hmm. and like little club shows and shit like that like uh, what's your mentality when you're kind of getting into that kind of space and you know you, you kind of have to recalibrate everything in a lot of ways no, and I think that was a problem is I didn't recalibrate in the way I should have. I think on that Foo Fighters tour especially because I would do – like I would go in the crowd and go nuts. and then, but They gave like, you a wireless mic, didn't they? Gave me a wireless mic. They oh. were really cool. That was They were super cool. The crew was fucking incredible to us on that tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, just do whatever you want to do. And I would go out and, and wander around. But it's it's just like a – it's a different thing for the audience to kind of experience. Like, you know, people are, when you're doing it on a floor show, everyone kind of knows where you are. Mm. When you're doing it in a stadium show, you just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and I didn't calibrate it at all for that kind of thing. And I think in the Soundwaves, it was different because we were playing against Metallica. Yeah. There'd always just be a little loyal crowd. Yeah, 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 big time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that last sound wave, I remember you, we were all celebrating. It's just like, oh, this is the first time we haven't been up against the headliner. Yeah. <laughs> you were originally going to be. Yep. And then it, they moved us. Yeah, they, they did. Mo- they only moved us for a couple of the sound waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a couple of them, they kept us in the same spot. And it was always like, well, against the headliner again. But yeah. it's like, you know, once again, it's all. I want to play to the people who want to see us. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that sure. way, you know, the people want to see you because they had a better option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With every actor that I talk to, like, we always kind of go through the really dumb, like, rock biopic kind of thing where, you know, like, you have this very idealistic view of what bands are like when you're a kid and you're starting out and stuff like that because you, you're watching those documentaries mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shit like that. And it's just like, or just those band movies and shit like that. And there's always, like, those moments where it's just like, oh, well, the band has made it, quote unquote, yeah. you know. And it's just, and it's a trite thing, but I feel like every musician in one way, shape, or form has those moments, whether it's playing a certain venue, playing with a certain band, getting to to you know tour to a certain place any anything like that like when when it comes to you like when over the trajectory of this band in particular are there any that stick out to you in particular where you know you kind of had that moment where it's just like fuck if teenage me got to see what i'm doing right now i think every step you know like the the first time we 
uh, made a demo, you know, the first time we played a show, first tour, first seven inch coming out, first LP coming out. Um, and I also know when it peaked. Like, I know when it was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. We hit the ceiling, and that was we were playing New Zealand on that Foo Fighters tour. Yeah. And I woke up in the hotel in New Zealand, and I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, the day the day I w- we played New Zealand, the Spin magazine when I when I was on the cover came out. The I had a TV show on Much Music that was airing that night, right? And we were on tour with the Foo Fighters in New Zealand, and I was like, I think this is going to be the peak, <laughs> and it really was. Like it really has felt like that was the apex of this band. Ever since then, it's been like, you know, not like a speedy decline, but certainly sure. not there. It's- it's it's hard to it's hard to top that really hard to top that. We did have a bunch. We did have a bunch of offers the following year. This is Sandy Miranda, fucked up space player. Uh, which we didn't do because touring is also very hard on the body and on the lifestyle. So yeah. we we also put the brakes on, or you know. Yeah. No. There's. A, but I th- I still feel like that was the peak. My TV show got canceled shortly thereafter. <laughs> Spin magazine folded. And, uh, yeah, the Foo Fighters haven't hit us back for another tour. So, <laughs> really. But we're back. We're going to be back in New Zealand. So, I guess we're kind of back on the top of the world. Yes. <laughs> One out of four ain't bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious as to how you navigate that. You know, like, uh, you've, we've, you know, you kind of mentioned the love-hate relationship with, with touring and, you mm-hmm. know, like, loving getting to be in places, but also hating, like, the, the grueling schedule and stuff like that. And, like, reclaiming a sense of that agency of, like, not having to accept everything, like, and, and not being, like, oh, I don't have to do, like, 200 shows a year or whatever like that. Like, uh, what's that been like, especially in the in more recent years, like, through Glass Boys and this record and stuff like that? I, I think uh, I think we just, it was out of necessity in a yeah. lot of ways. Like, I just don't think we could have done 200 shows. Like, I look at I'm trying to remember who it was. Someone online was posting that they they're going to have their like seventh or fifth consecutive year of 250 plus shows or 250 yeah, wow. shows. And I was like, I don't know if I'm built for that. You know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm much love and respect if you are, but I just don't mm. know. Did it ever get to that point for fucked up? I think the most we ever did was like 150 shows in a year. Yeah, 146. 146. Look at that. We have, the, we have the leading authority of fucked up. Sandy here. definitely is the brains of the operation. She knows more stats of this band, the insides of, of this band. She probably wrote the Wikipedia page, too. No. <laughs> if we were playing 200 shows a year, we wouldn't have lasted. No, we wouldn't yeah. have lasted. And, and One of us would have been dead by now. Yeah. And we also, like, we're lucky that we're a band that, you know, hasn't had to deal with a lot of the issues a lot of bands have to deal with in terms of dealing with people in the band that get substance abuse issues, dealing yeah, with yeah. infidelities on the road or people on the road, you know, acting a fool and mm. misbehaving. Like, we've been really lucky that we're all crazy as shit, but also <laughs> level-headed, you know, in a weird way. We're all yeah. like, it never, it never got to our heads in the way I think it could have. Yeah. Well, across the trajectory of this band, you know, like she said, you know, you've been doing this for, what, 18 years now? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I obviously a lot has changed since those first few shows. And, you know, people have come and gone. You know, the style of the music itself has changed and the touring schedule has changed. But, like, do you feel like there are any kind of soul consistencies through the trajectory of the band? Anything that's kind of just kind of stayed the course and stayed the same over that period of time? I think us, you know, like As we've people? never, we've never, yeah. like, we've never lost a member. We've only gained members. And I think we're the thing that retains. Like, us, you know, like, I really feel like we grew up in this band. Um, all of us. And and now you see it especially, like, we're just, uh, 
at that age where you know we're we're adults now, and we yeah. started this band when we were kids. So it's uh yeah, it's surreal. It's weird. Yeah, totally, totally. But like, do you feel like it's sustainable? Like what you have now, just kind of just like kind of picking and choosing and kind of working at your own paces and stuff like that. No, definitely not. No, like I think to be a to be a like a successful band, you have to tour. You have yeah. to put in that kind of effort to yeah. like. You know, and so at yeah, least sustainable like, for you guys. Yeah, I think like we'll see what happens. You know, I think we all like we all really enjoy and feel really privileged to be able to do this band. Yeah, but at the same time, it's uh, it's like eighteen years. Yeah, so it's I think every step of this band, I kind of think it always approaches it like a blank canvas. You know, yeah, and, sure. and I think that's where we're at now. I think if we did another record, we're going to have to see. Like maybe we do go back to trying to tour it more. Maybe we try and yeah. treat it like a real album. Um, yeah, it's something you got to do, you yeah. know, in the band. And that's why people do it. You know, there's yeah, a reason yeah, yeah. people pay two fifty shows a year. That's it. That's it, man. Uh, well, uh, loser started. We will wrap it up here. But I ask this of all of my guests. Now it's your turn. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you've ever played. The best and worst shows fucked up's ever played. Oh, you as a person. It doesn't uh, have to be fucked up. The best... Well, they definitely were with fucked up. It was, yeah. certainly wasn't with Millennial Rain or Criminally <laughs> Insane. The best show we ever played was Spain. Uh, 2000... We, the first time we played Barcelona. Yeah. We flew in there, played like just like a pop-up squat kind of venue with this band. OTAN, uh, Invasion. Um, I can't remember the other bands now. I'm blanking on it. And it yeah. was just... The best vibe ever. The show was just like incredible. I just remember flying out of that venue, just feeling like I was floating on air. Yeah. Um, and I think the worst show, been a lot of bad ones. Pittsburgh, one time we played in Pittsburgh with Hard Skin. Okay. On the day that the Flyers played the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Flyers beat the Penguins. Uh oh. So everyone was super pissed. It was not a great show. Oh, I also I played a show imagine. in. I got beaten up really badly on stage or just off stage at a festival we played in Liverpool one time. Really? That sucked. Fuck, got, that's brutal. You're yeah. a big dude. That would have been that would have been a rough time. I got stomped by like a group of eight dudes. Fucking hell. It was brutal. But apart from that, like there've definitely been bad shows, but they almost you block them out after a while. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a good mentality to yeah. have, I think. Yeah, just <laughs> block that shit out as much as you can. <laughs> The album is Dose Your Dreams. It is out now. It will be out still by the time that you hear this. Damien, will you come back for a part two? I would love to come back for a part two. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, man. Thank really you, appreciate man. it. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbets.